welcome to the Tales of Osteopathy students with me, Chelsea, and my good friend, V. How are you doing, V? Hello, friend. I'm good. <laughs> I just had a big mouthful of um, a very delicious cookie, and I'm like, <laughs> trying to look innocent, <laughs> white chocolate on my mouth. <laughs> just the little crumbs, just like... Yeah dribbling down I was always like that as a kid I would like always just look so guilty with like food <laughs> shit on my face I can literally imagine it it's like you just being covered in crumbs and someone being like have you uh did you go and still cook and be like no no, what are you no about? not me yeah me and my little brother just like covered in food he once ate like, like all of the icing off like a whole bunch of wedding cupcakes <laughs> <laughs> when he was like two years old and apparently was just like covered like head to toe in frosting amazing i love Three. that so much i that's the kind of thing i would do as a kid like whenever i had birthday cake i'd just eat the icing and not the actual cake yeah like always speaking of it. birthdays it's your birthday tomorrow <gasps> yeah 33 doesn't that sound fucking horrible i'm glad you said your birthday day like as in like the actual number because I was like I was gonna ask you because I was like I know it's somewhere around there but I wasn't somewhere. quite sure yeah yeah 33 don't feel it don't look it just gonna lie about it well I'm not gonna lie just shock everyone that I meet yeah it happens quite a lot they were always like what I thought you were like 22 that's what I got someone said to me they thought it was 22 and now I'm getting kind of the double insult of being ID'd at the moment, mm. which is someone will ask me for ID, so obviously thinking I'm below the age of 25, <laughs> and then they go, oh, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> oh, like, no. So I get ID'd and I get mammed in the space of about 30 seconds, and yeah. it's, just, it's just not fair. Ma'am and madam are just the worst. Oh, the worst. The worst. The worst. Mm. I hate it. And I have to call yeah. people ma'am or madam at work now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. We both don't <laughs> like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think being called ma'am is just like, mm. okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you also, there's no, like, neutral. There's no gender neutral, no. like, respectable title. So I feel like I should just start... Like, bringing in, like, your eminence. Oh, yes. That's amazing. <laughs> your eminence. <laughs> I love that. I'm just going to... Let's just start calling each other it, and then we'll yeah. hopefully it will spread. I think world. so. Um, I saw... I can't even remember what it was now, but a really cool thing about a gender-neutral term for, like, niece and nephew. Yeah. I think it was, like, Nix or something like that. And Ooh. I was like, oh, that's so cute. Because you've got, like, cousin, right? That's gender-neutral. Yeah. Completely. But yeah, aunt, there was one for aunt and uncle as well. I can't remember what it was, though. Yeah, because you've got cousin, you've got sibling, mm. parent. Yeah. To be continued. <laughs> yeah, to be continued. Yes, what an interesting period as well of, like, change in language. Yeah. Because, like, one day we might have kids, like, who are learning about these sorts of things at school. And mm. we can be like, back in my day... <laughs> Back in my day, when I was a young whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, Grandma, Chelsea and V. Then we'll put that to one side for a moment. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> so, first up, what you got for drinks and snacks today? Oh, I've got some special treats today because yesterday 
was our one year anniversary of the podcast. Ooh. Our little yeah. baby has done baby. so well. Our podcasting child. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for all your love and support. Um, yeah. And in celebration, I made Oreo chocolate cookies. You need to tell me more about this because you mentioned it yesterday, but I'm like, yeah. details. I've got to say, this is the only thing left and the cookie was <gasps> the size of this plate. Amazing. I love it. It's huge. Like a very, very big chonko um, mm. cookie. Um, and it's got Oreos and chocolate. In. And it's just essentially like the thickest. It's essentially nearly a brownie. I love that. So, so good. And I've got some cold brew red bush tea. Ooh, yeah. very it's nice. nice. Very refreshing. Very nice indeed. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I like it. What you got going on? I got, I've gone because, you know, I'm currently sandwiched between two birthdays. Yesterday being podcast birthday, tomorrow being my birthday. So I'm like, I ain't messing around. I'm going for a Chelsea chai and I'm treating myself yeah. to a teaspoon of sugar in that oh, today yeah. as well. Because needed. Um, and also I got some white chocolate buns. Oh yeah, nice. Nicely mm. nice. Yeah, so straight up, I'm having buttons at 11 o'clock in the morning because it's in between my fucking birthdays. Yeah, and that's why it. not? Why the hell not? Yeah, you get a whole week of celebrations as well when it's your birthday. I do, I do agree with um, birthday week celebrations. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of this game Pokemon Unite Pokemon? at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So it's just come out on the Switch, and apparently it's kind of like a League of Legends thing. Not that I've ever played mm. League of Legends, but it's kind mm -hmm. of like you pick a character, you randomly get put into an arena with like mm. nine other people, five on each team, and you have to kind of, you know, like catch all like the little wild Pokemon and chuck mm. them in the other team's basket and like oh. kill each other and stuff. Cool. And the games are like 10 minutes. Um, and you kind of like level up throughout the game and stuff. So at the beginning when they're all like the tiny first evolution of Pokemon and they're so fucking cute and their little feet are just like da, 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 mm. da, da, just like running around. But then by the end, you're like a fucking beast. Um, but yeah, it's quite fun, quite addictive. So I've been playing that a little bit. Yeah. It's on the Switch and it's a free game. So winner. So much nostalgia so as well. I can love Pokemon. Mm. It was definitely yeah, my favorite games to play as a kid. Yeah. Um, on the Game Boy Color that I shared with my siblings. Nice. Just so, so good. So many fights yeah. over it. Yeah, I bet. I bet. What is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, probably Squirtle. Like, Squirtle's so cute. Yeah. I feel like I am a bit of a Squirtle, yeah. I love Squirtle. My favorite kind of classic one was Charmander, for sure. I feel like that's very representative of your personality as well. <laughs> Yeah, straight up, straight up. But at the moment, my current flavourite favorite character to play with is um, uh, Ninetales. That starts ah, as yeah. the, the little I white fox. I think that's based off uh, Kitsune, the Japanese fox with the nine Ooh. tails that's like in their mythology. That's cool. It's very interesting. I'm going to check that out. Mm. Check that out. Awesome. What have you been up to this week? Uh, what have I been up to? I've just been working some a new job, which has been interesting. <laughs> We've already discussed this, so <laughs> I won't go into too much detail because it's just one of those jobs. But I feel like I'm getting too old to work in hospitality now because <laughs> I'm just like, this isn't 
legal this isn't right <laughs> uh just like taking care of like 16 year olds who are like don't know their like workers rights and stuff like that mm. um and just like customer service in general like i'm a people person um in general i love people and i love chatting to people and mm. i also love the food that they serve at this restaurant as well like the type of food so i know quite a lot about it um yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you know when you're just like i really just want to be working in osteopathy yeah. really badly it's that thing isn't it we're so close but so far at the yeah. same time mm. yeah so yeah i've been doing that and just um it's not been as hot this week has it no thank fuck yeah Ugh. yeah so i've just been doing that and i've actually got really into like some creative writing Love it. Uh, I watched one of those, like, this is not an advert. We're not at that stage in this podcast that we've got adverts. <laughs> but I was lo- looking at um, some Skillshare videos the other day. Oh, cool. On creative writing. And I was just getting, like, super into that in my little, like, nerdy um, brain. Um, nice. Yeah, and I found some really cool uh, people as well on this channel called Biographics on YouTube, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend. They do like a whole bunch of videos on very famous people's lives and also people I've never heard of, uh, like Nancy Wake, who was called the White Mouse by the Gestapo in like World War Two. And she was a spy and another woman called Virginia Hall, um, who was another spy and she had a prosthetic limb and was like one of the most uh, like prolific buys mm. in the soe during world war ii as well and they're just really it, fucking cool it rings a bell yeah you know? yeah it does ring a bell yeah so I'm, i won't be doing them on medical story time because they're not as related but i highly recommend looking them up because they're super interesting Ooh. what was the name of the channel again biographics biographics yeah on youtube awesome they're really good we'll check and what we'll you get up to my dear <laughs> been non-stop I'm just like what have yeah. I done I tell you what I haven't done is I have not sat down and done nothing that's what I have not done <laughs> yeah I mean I have played a few games and chilled with that but lots of time with family this week like been to see my mum and also Jack's kind of dad and stepmom as well so spending a lot of time with family which has been really nice mm. kind of enjoying that also you know staying away from people as well because I've got the still got the COVID fears yeah. and um, you know chilling out been in clinic again this week which has been super super exciting um and saw some really really interesting stuff and yeah really enjoyed it and i got presents from them too yeah it's my birthday yeah i got pens that are shaped like bones like we're talking anatomically correct bones like the femur and stuff like that which is super cool and highlighters shaped like syringe syringes have you managed to watch any um, of the Olympics? I have watched a little bit of the Olympics. Started watching some of the skateboarding, which was super cool. And I love, love, love that they're all babies. I know. They're all little, and they're just like, we're going to do this forever. Old. Yeah, because yeah. it's kind of like you can see that their career is going to be really long and we're going to see them in so many different Olympics, you know. Yeah. I think that's going to really be super cool. I was talking to a friend the other day. And we were actually talking about them because they're like 13 years old and they're getting like yeah. Olympic medals. And we were like, what were we doing when we were 13? I was like, getting drunk in a field. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's the most English thing ever. Um, 
especially being like a country um, gal yeah. as well, but like getting drunk and getting up to mischief in a field. Literally, literally. So funny, isn't it? Just like, oh, I love Not it. Not winning Olympic medals. <laughs> yeah. I watched um, Tom Daly's diving. Like, Emotional. He won the golden. Yeah, straight so up. Much. Um, but yeah, it's, I really, I think especially since studying osteopathy, I like watching sports a lot more mm. because you like looking at bodies and how they yeah. move and stuff. It's just like kind of more interested in it. Like watching some of the swimmers and you can so see that some of them are like definitely right-handed and things like that because they're properly leading mm. with like one arm and things. It's Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. But sw- also watching the swimming, I'm just like, you are so strong. Like so, yeah. so strong. Um, uh, what's her name? Is it Simone Beale, the gymnast? Simone Biles, yeah. She's yeah. insane. Insane. And she's had like fucking four moves named after her because she's like created them. Like yeah. crazy. So yeah, Next loving level. it. Oh, the guy Isn't from it... Tunisia got like the first ever gold for Tunisia or something. Yeah. And the weightlifting yeah. woman from the Philippines got their first yeah. ever gold, ever yeah. like medal. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Loving that. Love it. Because it's always normally like... Um, the the home sort of country because obviously because they're going to be hosting the olympics they get like this huge cash injection right mm. and, and then so therefore generally the home athletes are going to be have got a little step up because they've been a bit more funded for the last four years or whatever because like when it was 2012 like team gb were fucking smashing it weren't they yeah but it's been really interesting to see like all the different kind of underdogs come up. I love an underdog. I'm I love such an underdog. A sucker for an underdog. I feel like everyone has a soft spot for an underdog as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so love it. Fun. Like, because you know, in the swimming, when they set out the lanes, they always do like the people that are fastest, like in the middle, and then the slower ones go to the outside. So when you yeah. see someone on the outside just fucking caning it, I'm like, yes, so go good. On! <laughs> go <laughs> yeah, you I love the Olympics. It. I think they're probably yeah. like. My like even more than like Six Nations, World Cup, rugby, and stuff like that. It's my favorite mm. thing to watch because I think yeah. there's everything. There's something for everyone. But my yeah, brain's sure. completely changed from being like, "Wow, they're so muscly," to being like, "Ooh, look at their latissimus dorsi." Ooh, look, <laughs> like, look at this, look at that. I'm like, anatomy has just like completely changed my perspective of right. when I'm watching sports. Because now, like the swimmers the other day, like they're absolutely huge, and I'm just like that's this muscle, that's this muscle, that's that body yeah. I'm like, what's my brain doing now? Yeah, totally. Have you got a alternative therapy to talk about today? The first of season three. First of all, I started off doing research what I thought I was going to talk about for the um, alternative therapy today and mm. realised when I was doing the research, this all sounds very familiar and realised... We've already talked about it. So I was originally going to do essential oils and aromatherapy, and we did a lot about that in mm. episode nine of season one. So we just like we threw that out the window. So I came across something else, which is kind of bordering on an alternative therapy, but I think it's going to be more of an interesting discussion today. Okay, okay, I'm ready. So V, have you ever heard of osteomyology? No. Bone, muscle? Because the name really kind of intrigued me, and we know very much so that osteo is bone, myo mm. is muscle, muscle, right? Ology, study of. And it it kind of, you know, I was like, okay, bone and muscle. I was like, okay, yeah, like what is what is this? It's very sounds like similar to what it is that we do anyway. And that's because it fucking is, right? <laughs> Pretty much. So 
It's also sometimes called neuroosteomyology, which I'm guessing is so it kind of highlights the relevance of the nervous system as well. Um, and it's a form of alternative medicine, which is almost exclusively used in the UK. Okay. Okay. But neither of us have heard of it. No, no. So here's the drums. Uh, <laughs> osteomyologists are often therapists who have usually been trained in osteopathy or chiropractic, but take on the title of osteomyologist after they refuse to be regulated by the General Osteopathic Council or Ooh. the General Chiropractic Council. Okay. So they don't want to be regulated. So they call no. themselves an osteomyologist. Yes. So um, this is for either political or philosophical reasons, or they can't join as they've not submitted the required papers for the governing bodies or achieved training standards necessary to satisfy the terms and acts of the parliament. Okay. Interesting. 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 So the term osteomyology was invented by an English-born doctor of osteopathy, Dr. Sir Alan Clemens, in 1992. Okay. Relatively young then. Yeah, super young. In 1993, the Osteopaths Act was passed, followed by the Chiropractic Act in 1994. So this was requiring all chiropractors and osteopaths to be registered with new governing bodies. This is like the formation of the GEOSC, right? So these new acts were not universally welcomed by everyone. Not everyone was really happy about this kind of coming into place. The idea was that the acts were protecting the titles of an osteopath and a chiropractor to those registered with these organisations. The techniques used by osteopaths and chiropractors are not protected by the acts. It's just the title. And so these techniques are used by osteomyologists because mm. it's like, you know, the techniques themselves are a free for all. You just can't call yourself an osteopath, essentially. Okay. So as long as they don't describe themselves as an osteopath and a chiropractor, they can still do whatever they want. OK, that could lead to some pretty uh, tricky legal situations, couldn't it? Right. Essentially, many of these osteomyologists were qualified under previous non-statutory schemes. But the new General Osteopathic Council, the GEOSC, set a level playing field allowing application from anyone who had been practising as an osteopath. So things like their previous qualifications, experience and clinical reasoning was to be assessed and say, OK, yeah, fine, you mm. qualify as an osteopath, we're going to register you. As I said, you know, it really wasn't that popular and a lot of people kind of resented the fact that they had to sort of reprove their eligibility, like kind of show yeah. that they were able to do it. And so some chose not to register at this time. So some of these people then decided to become osteomyologists, essentially. They didn't have to register with the GEOSC. One of the factors was they were kind of objecting to the fees that the GEOSC were charging that you had to register oh, okay. for. And I think the thing that's important to remember about the GEOSC is the fact that they're there to protect the patients. They're not there to look yeah. after osteopaths, essentially. They have the register of osteopaths that you have to, you know, pay annually to be part of. Mm. And if there's a problem, say a patient makes a complaint to the GEOSC, then the GEOSC protects that patient and, you know, kind of goes through the process, which I think mm. is a really important factor in this. We need to make sure patients are protected, right? But essentially some people are just like, I don't see the value in this. I don't see the point and I ain't paying to be a part of it. So I'm going to call myself an osteomyologist. Ooh, what a stand. Isn't it? By taking on this title of an osteomyologist, practitioners can advertise their various spinal manipulations without being in breach of the legislation because they did not claim to be an osteopath. Mm, okay. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
essentially showing away like you're kind of getting around it like okay I'm an osteomyologist essentially I do everything that an osteopath does but you're not protected as a patient (laughs) essentially as a patient if I would put myself in a patient's position Mm. I would really like the idea of the geosc and you can find Mm. osteopaths who are registered on through the geosc as well so that you know that they're uh you're you're safe and they are a legitimate practitioner so it makes it even more of a safer environment for both of you really yeah Absolutely. Osteomyologists are not subject to the standards of practice of either GEOSC or the GCC. Um, The GEOSC and GCC will not hear complaints about practitioners who are not registered with them. So the protection offered to these patients, you know, is just not there for osteomyology at Mm. all. So I started to have a little look into, okay, so this was all obviously very much like osteomyology is people that didn't want to register with the geos but i wanted to see kind of their perspective of what they talked about in regards to it which was kind of a little bit different that it's a group of like-minded professionals operating outside a statutory regulatory framework so their perspective is more to do with the fact as an osteopath you might do other things like you might be a yoga teacher you might do acupuncture Mm. and you might do stuff like that and so essentially be rather than being restricted by just doing osteopathy or chiropractic treatment you can bring all these alternative therapies together and call yourself an osteomyologist and not just work under one very strict framework is what their kind of position is a bit more so they've just got a whole broad range of skill sets and they take it by patient by patient case yeah they just do whatever suits the patient most in their eyes yeah yeah, kind of bringing like all the skills together. So there's this body that's been set up called the Association of Osteomyologists, which is set up by Dr. Sir Alan Clemens, who came up with the term osteomyology. The website isn't super up to date. I'm not going to lie. It's It kind of discusses how they're starting the College of Osteomyologists, which is going to come into action in 2007. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So okay. they haven't updated the website in a while. But one thing that their website states... So we all know that colleges, institutions and medical practitioners, they use the term, are brainwashed at the very outset into believing that their discipline is the only way to go. And after many years of clinical experience, they believe that they've found that this is totally untrue and find that including within their treatment plan a small amount of nutritional advice, massage, aromatherapy, some acupuncture, shiatsu, advice on breathing, NLP, realignment of posture, Alexander method, homeopathy, harmonics, osteopathy, chiropractic, kinesiology, physiotherapy, cranial, biocranial, Bowen, etc, 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 all together to kind of apply this to the patient Mm. i don't completely disagree with the fact that they're talking about i don't think the term brainwash is appropriate but i think everyone very much is whatever discipline you do you're in the position of believing that it's the best one because you chose you chose it as well you know there's a reason you chose that we chose osteopathy over being a chiropractor or a physio you know Mm. absolutely there is sometimes this in-group loyalty out-group hostility that kind of happens in terms of we're better than they are ours is the right way to go oh don't go and see a chiropractor come and see an osteopath da 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 you know things like that happen and i think there are things of benefit that can be taken from all of these modalities so i'm kind of intrigued by the sort of thought process behind this but i don't think there's correct me if i'm wrong 
anything to say in like the osteopathic standards or anything like that that you can't use other theories and techniques because I've seen osteopaths use dry needling acupuncture or like shockwave therapy or things like that kinesiology taping exactly so I think providing that you're transparent good communication with the patient informing Mm. them of benefits risks alternatives you know all of this sort of thing all of that sort of stuff then I don't see a reason why you can't use all of those things and still be registered with the geosk yeah I don't think that the geosk prevent osteopaths from doing those because we know like I look at a lot of osteopaths um, clinic pages and Mm. their social medias and their patient reviews and all of those sorts of things and they all use various different methods and techniques we know that so the geos can't be preventing them from doing that so it must just be for osteomyologists Mm. the nature of being controlled by a set of standards and framework that that is the real issue yeah absolutely so there's a lot of discussions on their website about osteomyologists being the best alternative medicine practitioners in the Uh, uk and i'm like you've literally just said that everyone's brainwashed into thinking that their way is the best and you're now claiming that you're all the best i don't really like when there's like a claim of like i'm the best at this i'm the best at that especially with osteopathy chiropractic work physiotherapy because so uh, within the three professions people have elements of chiropractic or physiotherapy or osteopathy that they lean more towards even though they may be a practitioner of the other type it's all like very fluid yeah to me and it should be fluid i think it should be fluid you know we like you've got the isn't it the mctinney chiropractic stuff which is much more craniosacrally stuff. Mm. Um, and they're the kind of McTimmies and the traditional chiropractic practitioners are a little bit like fighty-fighty, a bit like in osteopathy, which is like evidence-based, not evidence-based, fighty-fighty, you know, just kind of just like, hey, mm. let's all just be pals and let's just make a really nice practitioner sandwich. Yeah, let's bring all this stuff together yeah. and learn from each other and just, you know, make sure our patients are happy and healthy and safe. That's, that's what we should do, right? Yeah, I think it's very human nature to believe that the um, group that you are aligned with is mm. the best. Yeah. And it like has the most effective results and is really the thing that everyone should choose. But I am mm. not a confrontational person at all and a massive mm. like just if people could actually like sit in a room like not too many people. I think that actually when when people have one on one conversations in like a relaxed manner not too high strung Mm. that they are able to see a lot of similarities that they didn't think that they had before i think like even like the and like in society you could just have like a cup of coffee with somebody randomly and you would find a whole bunch of things that you would be able to talk about even if you think that you're complete opposites we have more similarities than we do differences like with everyone like for example kind of slightly off tangent but anyone who's like anti-trans or something like that if they sat down and had a cup of coffee with a trans man or a trans woman or maybe even both and had a conversation with them and understood their perspective they would be a lot more understanding and i think same as if there was um uh an asylum seeker you know all these anyone mm. who's like kind of this thing is like shut the mac to paris or you know whatever they're talking about all that nonsense it's like just yeah. 
go and speak to an asylum seeker about their experience. And I'm sure because we're humans, we're empathetic. We're going to have more of that kind of, you know, understanding and you wouldn't have such a hard line about it. Mm. It'd be interesting to be able to talk to an osteomyologist. Mm. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. Mm. So the guy, this um, Dr. Sir Alan Clements, Mm. I found his Twitter. Mm. (laughs) He's an angry man. Twitter. He's an angry man. He hasn't tweeted for a very long time. But the majority of his tweets were all very much about Simply Health. So Simply Health being one of those sort of private medical insurance things where you can claim things like dental and like, you know, um, your opticians, you get money back for your glasses, Mm -hmm. like all that sort of stuff. Sometimes like um, big kind of employers provide it as a thing to their staff. And basically most of the things were like how osteomyologists aren't included in uh, simply health so getting very angry at them and call mm. them simply wealth because they're just stealing money oh. and also now the fees to register as an osteomyologist with the association of osteomyologists is in fact the first year more expensive than it is the geosc but that's probably because they need funding because every association company needs funding to be able to stay an mm. association or group or whatever you know, they were saying that people didn't want to pay the GEOSC, you know, to, uh, to be honest, because they thought it was too expensive. Whereas if they're still willing to pay a fee like that, then maybe it is more down this route of these merging these different modalities together. Hmm. But overall, I thought it was just something really interesting to kind, yeah. to kind of come across that I'd never heard of before. I've never heard and, of him. Yeah. And kind of interesting to see the it's always the way, isn't it? Someone disagrees with something, so we break away and call it something slightly different. Mm. you know yeah there's always breakaways from everything isn't there because that's human nature that there's always going to be somebody who thinks differently about something and wants to create something off their own yeah for sure yeah i think that's really interesting though i'll be looking more into that yeah i thought it would prove quite an interesting discussion (laughs) that was a big pen lift then just like i am writing it down Are you ready to rumble? No, is the answer. Um, Because, B, how long has it been? How long has it been since we had a medical story time? Oh, a very long time. So, you know what happens when it's been a long time. Is I get the fear. get the fear. The fear overwhelms me. (laughs) The fear overwhelms me. (laughs) It overwhelms me. But before we go any further, hit us with that jingle. It's medical story time! Do, 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 do. It's been so long since I've heard that beautiful little tune. Very exciting. Very mm. exciting. And I'm really excited um, to tell all of you about this medical story today. Because it's just, it's so cool and I've never heard about it before. And um, here in the UK, we this story is set during true story obviously i'm not just making up bullshit um but (laughs) throughout school period in the uk we do a lot on world war one and world war two because they've completely shaped our society today yeah straight up (laughs) moth just came to attack my face (laughs) it went straight in for the lunge didn't it yeah like a cheeky bug um (laughs) (laughs) um but we cover our own side of world war two world war one don't we yes we We do learn virtually nothing about the other allies um Mm -hmm. that were in there like when i went to australia and they were doing like anzac day and stuff like that i was like i've never ever heard about these Mm. and i genuinely thought that i knew 
a, quite a sufficient amount. And I was just, I don't know enough. Um, but today I wanted to talk to you about an exceptional person is just like a, a shining light for um, how Slovenia um, worked Ooh. during World War II. And her name is Dr. Franja Boitz Bidevets which I did look up the pronunciation because I was like, <laughs> she deserves me getting this fucking right. Um, so I'll be talking about Dr. Franha and the Franha Partisan Hospital, which is Ooh. a pretty special place. Um, so let us begin. So Franha was born in 1913, World War I era. So she completely yep. grew up and was shaped by these wars. And she started studying medicine in Ljubljana, Slovenia, um, mm -hmm. graduating in 1939. And Franja started her career as a general practitioner. But as World War II progressed, she secretly participated in the National Liberation Struggle, also called the Resistance of the People of Yugoslavia, providing medical supplies and treating the wounded normally in like underground secret facilities wow. and like people's houses and stuff like that. Mm. So for historical context in this period, at the start of World War II, the Cirkno area of Slovenia, where our story takes place today, was annexed to fascist Italy. And after the Italian armistice in 1943, the Nazis stepped in to fill this void. Um, and the Slovenian or Slovene partisans, who were the resistance force at the time, weren't recognised as an army by the Nazis. And so any wounded soldiers would actually just be killed instead of being taken to hospital or captured because they weren't hey. thought of as important enough. So they were just gotten out of the way. That's fucking um, brutal. I mean, not that the war was, wasn't brutal, yeah. but... Yeah, geez. but like just to discard them completely. Mm. Um, so obviously this created a lot of Slovene resistance groups who, amongst other things, set up a whole network of hidden hospitals to treat wow. injured partisan fighters and allied forces mm. with like doctors, nurses, medical staff and civilians all working together. And it's estimated that over 15,000 people were treated in one of around 120 secret hospitals throughout the That's country. That's amazing. That is amazing. amazing. The power that can happen when people come together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and mm. we're just not taught about this, which I was like, I need no. to share this story. Mm. Yeah, so in 1943, Dr. Victor Volchak was made of aware of a hard-to-reach area in the Pasika Gorge in Delaney, Novaki, near the Cirkno um, area, mm. which would be an ideal spot for an illegal secret hospital. Mm. So in this same year... Dr. Fran had joined the partisans because she was getting more and more involved in resistance movements mm. and she was a very accomplished doctor um, who really wanted to be a part of the resistance as well. Mm -hmm. And she took the job as doctor and manager of the secret hospital, which Dr. Volchak, um, soon after she started working, actually named the hospital after her because she was... The foundation to this place she was mm -hmm. next level um incredible and just as a fyi she was only she was one of only 20 female doctors in the whole of this secret hospital network wow yeah and she was managing this place 
Yeah, kind of cool to show that, like, she, was it 1939 that she qualified as a doctor? Yeah. That, you know, even in those times, they were open to have women do that in Slovenia at that time. Yeah, I think it's well. so amazing. And it only gets better, Chelsea. So <laughs> over two years, so from 1943, mm. this Pasika Gorge went from just a crack in the mountains i've watched a whole bunch of videos from it and it really is like it's a slither of mount of an area in a really yeah. really steep faced mountain gorge yeah um and it became one of the largest secret hospitals in the country wow. with 14 huts that like a proper like wooden huts um which in total included things like barracks for the wounded an operating mm. room an isolation ward, an x-ray room, an x-ray room in the mountains, like high up in the mountains. Fucking hell. A staff barracks, a home for the disabled, a food warehouse, a kitchen, a laundry, a bathroom, a carpentry workshop, and even a power plant. Incredible. And they got this all the way up in this really isolated gorge. It's incredible. I, I really want to see pictures. Other pictures. We can have a little sneaky look later. And there's some really great videos on YouTube as well where you can go and have a look through. So this hospital, the Franham Partisan Hospital, was noted for its success in maintaining its secrecy, its security and effective care for so many patients. And this was achieved using various measures that I'll run mm. through now because I think some of them are just whew, so cool. Mm. Um, so to keep the seat it secret, the huts were painted grey to blend in with the rock faces nice. and branches were laid over the roofs. So it essentially yeah. just looked like there was like a little bit of forest in this gorge and you can't mm. see anything from a bird's eye view. Cool. And during this time, they also tr like planted trees to sort of cover over as well, which Amazing. is just next level. And it was actually only accessible through the gorge, which meant everybody everybody who had got to this gorge had to climb up through running water and like really big boulders and everything like that how did they get patients there i will let you know Ooh. also used makeshift bridges that they built so they could retract into the rock face so not permanent bridges they built them so that they could like fold in and be collapsible into the rock face that's so cool yeah which I was like, I've never heard of any sort of mm. like military tactics like that. Mm. And they also used the running water to transport supplies and patients in order to leave no tracks to follow. So this is the only way that they traveled up and down through the gorge was through this running water over like loads of rocks and like boulders wow. and stuff like that. So imagine how difficult that would be to like mm. go through there. The inpatients were transported at night solely at night, blindfolded, mm. and normally they were rotated on the stretchers to disorientate them, to ensure right. that later, if they were captured, they wouldn't be able to reveal the location of the hospital. Further, they set up guard bunkers in the mountains. They dug out, they carved out caves mm. for guard bunkers, gun posts, and they even built a minefield nearby. Wow. Which is just insane amount of work to be doing just over two years this hospital was built um and ran wow and only twice did enemy soldiers attack the vicinity of the gorge which encouraged them the staff of the hospital to set stage a fire to protect the hospital 
and the fire created was like so heavy that the yeah. smoke sort of billowed out from the area out of the mountains and the locals who were just like completely integral to the functioning and secrecy of this hospital sort of spread the news that the Nazis had destroyed it all and the hospital was never discovered the entire time it was open which is just wow. next level yeah so it's really a testament um to the spirit of the locals who volunteered mm. in all roles they did all of the medical work they transported the wounded they did securing of the area and they informed the hospital of any enemy movements which is just like just to go from like a local village in slovenia to like running and helping this hospital function uh is crazy so thanks mm. to the locals and the network of partisans the hospital had set up for qualified surgeons to perform operations in this hospital mm. and the hospital gave plenty of on the job training to ad hoc medical staff with only one formally trained nurse and over the two years period so in this tiny tiny mountain gorge with all of this going on 600 people were treated from all nationalities fucking hell yeah 600 people is so many and like loads of people lived there as well who were staff mm. let me tell you about some of the notable patients that i thought this sounds crazy like how did mm. most of them survive uh, who knows yeah. so first up is frank Raphael, a member mm -hmm. of the partisan army who was attacked by german soldiers after he was trying to um help one of his friends who'd been shot as well he was shot in both hands and then managed to crawl his way into a ditch play dead and then he was shot a further four times so six shots in his body in total and then they managed to hide him in a farmhouse nearby before carrying him through the gorge at night to the hospital where he made a full recovery fucking hell yeah after like laying in that ditch for hours as well and waiting till night to transport him mm. yeah one of the most famous patients to like most notable patients to be treated here was an american pilot called harold c adams who was also treated at the Franher Partisan Hospital after his plane was shot down and upon landing his leg was just completely shattered it was just mm. I can imagine gruesome um, so the Partisan resistant members rescued him and began transporting him via cart and when they came under attack a nurse carried him on their back through the gorge through running water like up through wow. the mountains wow. falling several times as well because they were still under attack mm. um before they managed to escape reaching the hospital after 14 hours of transporting him with his like mangled leg i cannot even imagine how yeah. painful and stressful and just horrible that would have been mm. and he survived and he kept in contact with the staff as well so when he ended up going back to America, he still corresponded with some of the staff and they've got like his letters still I love that. Um, that you can read now. It's really amazing. So during one of the attacks in the vicinity, um, they thought that the enemy were really close by. So they yeah. had to move some of the really endangered um, patients underneath one of the cabins where they remained for several days several days under one of the cabins 
and a complication arose with one of the patients um, who'd already had issues with like a wound in his stomach that led him to like really excruciating pain and what was described as severe flatulence, which is not the most ideal thing to have in an enclosed like underground space with other people not really as yeah. well so whilst under the cabin a surgeon who was uh, up above instructed him through a pipe through the floor in how he could operate on himself to relieve the symptoms what yeah so he was underground with like a whole bunch of other people under this cabin um, and like in excruciating pain and this surgeon instructed him through a pipe in the floor in how to operate and it was successful and he survived <laughs> that's fucking amazing yeah sounds like an episode of Grey's Anatomy you know what I mean it actually does doesn't it it yeah. actually does I was like this is so cool yeah yeah and the hospital like they didn't just treat allied soldiers they also treated Italian and German soldiers with one nice. particular German soldier remaining after being treated as a member of staff after he was treated, he changed sides and he started to work for the partisan hospital. Wow. Which I just think is like the next level. Like not only are you being able to bring hundreds of people and treat them in this hospital with mm. security, secrecy, you're like actually saving people's lives after they've been shot in World War Two as well. Mm. So not the same mm. machinery and techniques and stuff that we have nowadays. And yeah. you're also treating enemy soldiers who then come and help you afterwards. Yeah. I think that's I amazing because this is one thing I've always thought about with this stuff is this, it's not the soldier's fault, mm. you know. Like, they're just being told that they have to do something and that's how the army works is you have to follow orders, you know. It's just the, the big guys at the top that are the problem, that the ones that are fighting against each other. So I mm. love that it was a thing that people really genuinely did see past that. And it was like, we're just, you're just yeah. all just people and we're just going to help anyone that comes through the doors, you know. Exactly. I just think that's, that's the whole point in humanity, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. So the locals and the partisans kept this hospital running with the food and supplies coming from all over, um, even as far as Milan, all the way down to Slovenia, wow. which like wow. this like Circno area is like closer to the border of Austria. Um, mm. And it, this included the donation of an x-ray machine with its own hut, which they wow. lined with cardboard and black parachute material, which I was just like, wow, that's next level. So, yeah. so cool. Um, and during shortages, because of course it would have been so difficult to be able to get regular resources mm. through, um, the dedication of volunteers and staff were next to none, including Dr. Franha even donating her own blood several times during shortages of blood and plasma. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So despite the secrecy and nature of the environment, which must have been so stressful and just like constantly living on edge under the threat of um, mm. being found with all of these really, really poorly um, patients as well, the hospital held lectures, choirs, mm. plays and musical performances and even had newsletters including stories and drawings from staff and patients to try and raise the mood in the gorge. Which oh I was just God. like, ah, that's so sweet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so the aim of the Franher Partisan Hospital throughout was to help the people fighting for peace. That's what their aim was. That's mm. what the whole of the hospital was dedicated to doing. And they treated everybody regardless of their nationality. Um, so back to Dr. Franher, because she was really the person that I just absolutely like fell in love with when I was yeah. reading about this. So during her time at the hospital, she was actually arrested and sent to prison several times. So initially being arrested by Germans for her association with partisans. Mm. Um, and however, she was also arrested by her own side, which must have just been like the most heartbreaking thing as well. Mm. Um, and this was due to one of the partisan commissioners came to the hospital wounded and he demanded special treatment, um, which she denied. She was like, no, 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 not having any of this, mate. Like, mm. we all get treated the same. You don't get special treatment. It's everybody's yeah. the same. Um, and the commissioner accused her of arrogant behaviour and malpractice and had her suspended and kept at headquarters for a month, which sounded like she was tortured there as well. Mm. From the information, it sort of fluffed about, but it sounded like she was tortured there. Yeah. But after witnesses came forward to support her because she was like completely beloved um, with this mm. community. She was re released and returned to work at the hospital as the doctor, as a doctor and the manager of this hospital. Mm. And she really was like an exceptional person um, in the community. And after the war, she ended up specializing in gynecology, becoming very yeah. successful in helping deliver babies and helping women who struggle to maintain pregnancy or conceive with her main passion focusing on patient advocacy which i just think Yay. wow like because we we always hear about the um during the hard times these exceptional people but yeah. how the hell did they deal with their lives after it was finished yeah for sure mm. and she continued to be just an amazing person focusing mm. on gynecology and bringing life into this world and supporting women and families around her um, so after World War II, the Franha Partisan Hospital was opened as a museum and there were actually sadly several avalanches and floods in the area, which yeah. just shows how dangerous that area was, mm. um, which destroyed um, most of the site. But due to its national importance, it was rebuilt according to original blueprints and it's classified as a UNESCO World Heritage Site as a oh, monument. Oh, amazing. To, yeah. And um now it's like a really beloved site that's known as a monument to the power of humanity, which, and you can visit it now. Oh, yeah. should we get? Should I we think feel... we should. Road trip. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. so fucking cool. Oh, sometimes I'm just like, the hearing stories like this, and like it restores my faith in humanity, you know. It does, doesn't I think it? It's just like that there are good people that are always trying to do the right thing, regardless of orders and, you know, all yeah. that sort of shit. Yeah. Oh, what an amazing human. Amazing human. And like just mm. the locals and the staff there just must have been such exceptional people as well yeah. to be able to, even though it was only open for two years it's two years mm. in world war Two, for fuck's sake yeah um so like what they must have gone through is just next level isn't it yeah yeah i can't even begin to comprehend it really hmm yeah 
yeah, so I went on a massive like binge <laughs> into like World War Two like stories that haven't been mm. well documented, including this, because I hadn't really heard that much about Slovenia's role in the war as well, mm -hmm. which was really interesting mm. to learn about, and then led me on to uh, finding out about people like Virginia Hall and Nancy Wake and stuff like that, where you get to hear these about these people's lives that we don't get to hear about in history classes or yeah. well-known people, but their impact on the world mm. is next to none, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, um, it's one thing that I always joke about with history lessons in the UK is like, here are the Tudors, we won the war. You mm. know, that's, that's all it is really. Yeah. And not, you know, it's like, oh yeah, Britain won and whatever, but it's just like, no, reality, no one fucking won no one won you know no. no one wins in that situation and also it's just like we may be an island but you know what I mean but it's like we don't do this shit alone mm. there was like yeah. collaboration between nations and stuff like that and it was one thing that was really interesting I think I might have said it on the podcast before but when I did my yoga teacher training and one of the girls there was German and I said to her about like oh we just you know get to oh we won the war and in Germany, it's like, oh, yeah, we were bad. Don't fucking do that again, is what they get taught. And then loads of the other countries are all taught a summary of the history of every country, you know? And it yeah. doesn't it just show our overwhelming arrogance as a nation that yeah, we don't so feel the need to educate our children effectively about world history. I think it's half the issue that we're, reason we're in the mess that we're in now is because we've got yeah. all these, uh, you know, this arrogance around the fact of, oh yeah, being British is obviously being the best, we win at everything, we can do everything alone. It's not the case, you know. Exactly. But I think that's why I love um, doing these medical history stories and I love history in general. My family it has always been like really loved history, especially... Yeah myths and mythology and folklore for mm. from loads of different areas um and i think it's it's just so interesting to see how cultures worked and see perspectives of different people it's i think always going to be a massive passion of mine and um, whether it's to do with medicine or to do with just humanity in general it's always yeah. going to be fascinating and there's always going to be stories that you don't hear about because of whatever reason because of gender race like association whatever and they don't get mm. told about yeah absolutely well keep bringing these stories forward because yeah. <laughs> loving it yeah amazing oh what oh, feeling feeling full of love that there's good in the world and yeah. i want to go and visit the site mm. let's do it one day massively yeah. mm. well thanks everyone for listening Hope mm. you've enjoyed us coming. It's episode four, and it's just like you've had yeah. to wait four whole episodes this season for a medical story time. How Isn't dare we? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you like this episode and you want to hear more, there's lots and lots more episodes that you can hear about. Um, we also have our YouTube channel now, which we're popping up um, our episodes on, and we're going to have behind the scene videos too. Um, yeah, they will be up eventually. Just yeah, but it technology. Takes a while, we've done a whole bunch, haven't we? Yeah, um, the technology is failing me, failing. <laughs> but I'll get there. Yeah, so if you want to find that, you can go ahead and look on YouTube for the Tales of Osteopathy students, um, or if you want to follow us on social media, which we post on all the time to let you know what we're up to on a more day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. You can. We're on all the platforms. Just have to typically type in double T double O S 
podcast and you can find us there where you can message us any of your questions or if you prefer to write us a lovely lengthy email about any of your great moments that you've loved listening to the podcast or if you've got any osteopathy related stories to tell us you can email us at double t double o s podcast at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you yeah absolutely send us all the stuff we love having chats giving advice all that sort of thing but yeah thanks so much everyone have a great week and we'll see you next time thank you bye bye